Welcome to the Lean Blog Podcast. Visit our website at www.leanblog.org. Now, here's your host, Mark Graben. Hi, this is Mark Graben from the Lean Blog. It is April 29th, 2007. This is episode number 23 of the Lean Blog Podcast. Today, we have a panel discussion with three lean leaders from the Group Health Cooperative, a hospital and healthcare system based in Seattle, Washington. With us today, we have James Hereford, the Executive Vice President of Strategic Services and Quality, Dr. Ted Eton, the Medical Director of Health Informatics and Web Services, and Lee Freed, the manager of their strategic consulting team. Today, we're going to talk about their lean journey, how they started with lean, and what it has meant for them in their model line area, and their goals for transitioning to being a lean enterprise and having a lean culture. Well, Lee, Ted, and James, thank you for joining us on the Lead Blog Podcast. Thanks, Mark. Thank Thanks, you, Mark. Mark. Uh, James, I was wondering if you could first give us a, a brief overview of the Group Health organization. I'd be glad to. Uh, we are an integrated care organization that integrates financing and care. Uh, we're headquartered in Seattle. Um, we have both the care delivery system, uh, 25 medical centers, uh, three multi-specialty centers, a hospital, and a half of a hospital, mm-hmm. uh, along with a full-featured health plan that uh, has all of the typical health plan features of processes of claims processing and provider networking and all of those things, serving the state of Washington and northern Idaho. Altogether, we serve uh, right at 530,000 members uh, in those, that area. Lou, I wanted to turn it over to you if you could give us a, kind of an overview of how Group Health got started on your lean journey, maybe what, what initiated that, what some of the initial drivers were, and, and what some of your progress to date has been. Uh, sure, Mark. Um, actually, it's, a, it's an interesting story. In uh, 2004, um, we had a, a couple of, I guess, stars come into alignment. Um, at that point, James, um, as one of the executive sponsors, um, really started to lead an initiative looking at a common improvement methodology for the organization, mm-hmm. as well as some other aspects. Um, at the same time, um, Lean is, is very big in Seattle. It's, it's really everywhere. It's in uh, the banking industry, the IT industry, as well as, you know, of course, manufacturing. And we have, um, the, we're fortunate to have a couple of healthcare organizations locally, um, so there was a, a lot of attention around um, what the possibilities of lean um, could be um, for in healthcare and for group health. Okay. Um, at that time, a, a couple of our project managers that were um, working on the clinical quality side took a local um, consultant's five-day class on how to run an RPIW. Mm-hmm. Uh, they found a sponsor in addition to James, and they they went out and said. Um, Let's see what we can do with this methodology in a, a small point improvement in our laboratory. And, uh, you know, what happened basically was um, they, they focused on one area. Um, they reduced some handoffs, and, and miraculously they improved cost, quality, and delivery at the same time. Mm, great. Um, something that uh, wasn't necessarily um, believed to be possible um, in, in healthcare in the past. Um, that, that improvement um, caught a lot of attention from some of the senior management, um, and it led to a, um, a several local improvements, or what we call point improvements, mm-hmm. where we went in and, and really focused on um, things like a, a single pharmacy or a single laboratory, um, and, and we showed continued ex- success. Um, this caught additional attention, and then in 2005, 
uh, led by James as, as kind of the champion of this work, um, the senior leadership team agreed to bring in some external consultants. Okay. Um, and as a uh, senior leadership team um, undergoes some pretty significant education um, in lean, lean principles, as well as doing some site visits. We also commissioned four large cross-functional projects, um, that being defined as projects that would um, cross departments. Okay. So for, for example, we looked at a project that went across both the health, health plan and the delivery system. And those four projects were um, staffed by um, six consultants, including myself. And our outside consultants um, led us through training where we actually had a group of sponsors for each of those areas. And over a six-month period of time, learned the methodology, did value stream mapping, and then um, did improvement um, in those specific areas. So implemented different changes, multiple RPIWs. Um, with the actual, um, many of the senior leaders being um, executive sponsors over the work. Mm -hmm. And um, we really realized significant improvement, you know, far beyond what we had in some of the local improvements of the past. And at the same time, it really complemented well with the senior leaders' education that they had undergone from the ex external consultants. Yeah. And, and for people who might not know the specific acronym, RPIW is like a Kaizen event, correct? It is, yeah. We, it's a rapid process improvement workshop. So that's, that's what we define as our Kaizen events. Yeah. So. And, and so you had consultants leading, I would assume like a lot of Kaizen events leading, um, a team of people that was drawn from the actual department that you were working with? Yeah, actually, um, in this case, there was um, multiple, de you know, departments or, or several departments, and we kind of we connected the improvements across the departments, and, and we used the value stream map as a way to do that. Um, so, for example, we looked at how to um, optimize our electronic medical record, and Ted actually led a, um, as a sponsor, um, as one of the sponsors, led this effort, and we were able to bring together our IT, our informatics department, as well as the actual care teams and we're able to do a, a series of workshops to really um, revolutionize the way that we do enhancements to the IT system. So that would be a good example of um, the, a cross-functional project that we did. Okay. Um, which was really a, a big step um, up from doing just the point improvements, like going into a single pharmacy or single lab to do change. Mm -hmm. um, and it also gained a, a higher level of um, visibility with both the larger organization and the senior leadership and really led to where we are now, which is two years later, um, and we've um, started about six months ago what we call our HPA model line, which um, James will talk a little bit more about in, in detail, um, I think, later in the podcast. Okay. But it's, it's really looking at, um, you know, doing lean as an enterprise, um, you know, in, in integrating lean management systems into the practice of the process improvement. So sure. really going deep and far, so... Um, I guess that's the, the quick uh, two-year story. Was, is there anything you'd want to add, James, to that? No, I think that's a, a good recap. Lee, you may want to talk a little bit more about the, what the model line, the thinking around uh, how we got to the model line, because that's a real key component of a transition that we recognize that mm -hmm. we have to get beyond just point improvements and really driving towards uh, fundamental cultural change, and that is uh, has a, a transformational component in any operational area. So maybe good to elaborate a little bit on that. We can build on then later where this goes from the model line. Yeah, I, th I think that would be good to hear about, definitely. 
Sure. The, um, the, the model line is actually within our um, health plan, and it's actually our claims um, processing department, our customer service center. It makes up about 700 employees. Um, and what we found when we were using the um, Kaizen events, or the rapid process improvement, um, is we would have a, a big impact around redesigning the processes, but it was really an event-driven approach. And you know, three, four months out, we would start to lose the sustainability around the improvements we mm -hmm. made because we were never really able to um, ingrain and, and change both the thinking and the behavior at the leadership or the um, team level. And so the model line is really um, using Lean as a full business approach to, to really um, change the culture within the organization. Sure. And I, I think a lot of our listeners, um, even from the manufacturing world, would probably recognize that that scenario and you know the the, the 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 challenges of trying to sustain the lean practices. So, it sounds like moving more into the management system is uh, definitely a good way to go with that. Yeah, absolutely, Mark. And there's there's three components to the model line, um, and, and there's there's a there's a real um, major commitment by the organization, a major investment, um, and, and one component is building the standard work or the daily management system at the team level so that we can do con continuous incremental improvement on a daily basis. We're using value streams and rapid process improvement events to um, turn basically um, the, the organization on its side in many ways and, and move from a departmental focused organization to one that's organized around core outcome producing processes. Mm, okay. And then the final one is we're, we're implementing um, Hoshin um, Connery, excuse me, or a policy deployment. And for the first time, we're really getting discipline around how we do um, both our long-term planning and the short-term um, planning around deciding both the goals and the means. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's pretty exciting. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's very ambitious, I'm told, um, but, but yeah. we've, we've shown some really uh, good initial success. Well, well, great. Um, I think maybe we, there's a lot I would certainly love to dive into and, and hear about with uh, the, the model line and, and the hopes you have there. Uh, but I was thinking we could transition over to Ted. Uh, if you could talk a little bit about, and, and maybe in context of the model line and trying to put in um, a lean management system, have, have you found any um, instances or circumstances where you felt like you've had to um, adapt or change what was presented to you as the the traditional lean management model to fit into um, a healthcare or a hospital type environment? Oh, I think everything needs to be adapted. And I, I think the, the key thing is I keep coming back to is copy the thinking and the philosophy, uh, not the tools. Mm -hmm. And, you know, physicians at some level are scientists, and we like to just kind of pull the tests off the shelf and apply them. And people come to me and they say, well, what's the tool that I can just use? And I kind of think it's mm. your brain. And so <laughs> yeah. I, this was all very fortuitous for me in that um, my connection to Lee just came from my own desire to do something better in the work that I was doing in um, health information technology. And the way that I got here was that group health is a place where we don't necessarily innovate in having the latest, greatest technology that may or may not have benefit, but we always have innovated in the way that care is provided. So. We're focused on providing the right care at the right time, which sometimes means using less exotic treatments, um, helping patients wherever they are at home, um, not in our medical centers, um, and using tried and true technology. So um, part of that was that we um, were leaders on the Internet, and we still are. We're leaders in health information technology, 
and I started thinking, um, you know, how as a physician, how can I not look at other examples of innovation that are happening out there? And so that's how I kind of encountered Lee in the Toyota Toyota work. And you know, when I read Lean Thinking, it kind of blew my mind because yeah. everything I read had a corollary in medical care. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're not building cars; we're taking care of people. Right. Um, so I'm always remembering that. Um, but Toyota puts a lot of care and compassion into building of cars, and so do we in taking care of people. And there's a quote that I just was looking up as Lee was talking that I read recently, which is, um, flexibility is overrated, constraints are liberating. Um, and so in healthcare, we really prize autonomy and flexibility, but there are things that we don't really want flexibility around. Mm-hmm. So, for example, when someone has a heart attack, they should have beta blockers yeah. uh, unless they're contraindicated. So let's take all those things that we know should happen and make them happen well, and then all the other things that have variation, let's apply our humanity to it. Yeah. So um, our challenge as physicians, and we're, you know, all of us have 12 years of post-high school education, should take the um, knowledge from companies that have done this and apply it to healthcare in a unique way that helps patients. Mm-hmm. What, what were some of the, the steps that you took um, to try to get the physicians on board with um, the, the notion of lean, to try to get their acceptance and, and maybe even more so their, their participation with the efforts? Oh, sure. I think that there's one thing that you don't have to worry about physician participation, and that is patient at the center of care. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never met a physician that wanted to take bad care of patients. Sure. Every time I talk to people, it's very easy to just say, why are we here? And they always say we're here for our patients. And when we look at physicians that are um, concerned about what's happening, it's typically because they can't be there for the patients that they think they, in the way they should be. And so... That was the number one innovation is uh, what do we do all day? We're a member-governed organization. We take care of patients. And so mm-hmm. we want to take care of patients well, and this helps you do it better. And so what we do is we show them how using these techniques we can help them take care of patients better because we're more responsive to this. The system is more responsive to what they want to do. Mm-hmm. They can provide more input in the system, and they can see changes right away. So last week we were one of our medical centers in Everett, Washington, and I heard from one of the physicians there that they were really amazed that um, a team right in front of their eyes could actually manipulate the system they used to provide care in a way that was pleasing to them and their patients. Hmm. And there's no replacement for that. Now, it, thinking about, you know, maybe Hoshan planning and organizational alignment, um, it, it, do, you, do you think there is an advantage of maybe being more of an integrated health system? Um, is, is it the case that more of or, or maybe all the physicians are employed directly um, by a group health cooperative, does that make uh, any sort of impact as far as being able to look beyond boundaries or looking at the, the, the total path of uh, patient care? Mark, this is James. Yeah, I think uh, absolutely right. The, if you think about healthcare as an, an industry, it's a, uh, a, it's a cottage industry. It's a loose archipelago of islands strewn mm-hmm. throughout uh, with no real connections. And so you can uh, receive care in one place and go to another, and it's like you've never existed before, and you start right. all over again. Right. And the financing of care is completely divorced from the actual care delivery. And so things that you know are good for you aren't paid for, but things that aren't good for you are paid for. Mm-hmm. So it's a fundamentally irrational system. Group health doesn't have it you know, perfectly right, but mm-hmm. we have such advantages because we're an integrated system that integrates financing and care and integrates across the continuum of care uh, that I think our, our opportunity to leverage lean and to leverage the thinking uh, that is part of the lean processes, our, our opportunity is so much greater because we can connect 
uh, much broader value streams and move information uh, and create value in a fundamentally different way than other healthcare organizations just because of the way uh, we're organized. And this is Ted. I totally agree. And I am so pleased to be in an organization where I can actually go visit um, health plan um, administration model line and see what happens to the claims that we generate and how they're processed. And that impacts, I'm a supplier to that chain, and that impacts the care that I provide when that's done well or not done well. And so group health offers physicians that are interested the unlimited freedom to look at the entire spectrum of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And that way we're kind of a laboratory for all of healthcare. And if you can't do it at group health, it can't be done anywhere. So we're really lucky that we can go faster than many other organizations that cannot. Yeah. And, and from a, I guess a, a total care standpoint, does that give some opportunities to focus maybe so, uh, maybe more so on, on creating value, meaning, you know, patient health more so than treating sickness? I mean, I think back, you know, I'm even, I'm kind of uh, jogging my memory a little bit on, on some of the TPM methodologies and how, as lean people, we might embrace, you know, um, preventative measures. And, and I step back and I think, well, you know, how many of us are actually applying that philosophy to our own lives, to our own bodies and our own health? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I agree with you. I think that I always say we're here to ensure lifelong health of our members. And so that makes it really easy for our members to dream about the things that we can do today, like having an online health risk assessment, having health coaching, um, looking at preventive interventions, and managing uh, or working with patients before they get sick. That's sure. why we were created. Okay. And, uh, James, I was wondering if you could talk a little bit more about the HPA model line and, and maybe what some of the um, – how you would see some of the benefits in in terms of the the results of that process, but maybe other ways that you've tried to gauge success in terms of actually changing the way that that um, organization is managed, um, you know, by by impacting that management system and and the line managers and and the people who are there day to day. And then maybe beyond that, what what some of your hopes are um, for expanding lean beyond that model line? I'd be be really happy to. You know, what's... um Really interesting to me is I think we made a uh, we saw some things uh, as executives as we were going and doing our site visits to various organizations and talking to other organizations and, and one of the things we saw was this real humbleness about how difficult the journey is which really helped and that you know when we talked to Theta uh, Care in Wisconsin uh, and what John Toussaint's done there I mean what a, an amazing leader and the humbleness he brought to that and thinking and portraying where they're at. Uh, and looking at what they've done. But one of the things that we observed in that was the, the, the wall that you hit by taking simply the Kaizen approach and trying to do as many Kaizen events as possible. And that ultimately where John was and many organizations were, we're looking at, well, this isn't enough. We're not, we're not building it into the culture. We're not really fundamentally changing the way that we address the relationship and the role of the leader to the staff and the role and the thought process that they walk in the door every day with. So that was really the, the bet we placed and the hopes we had for the model line is we wanted to fundamentally change that. We wanted mm-hmm. to have leaders who walked in the door and not saw themselves as the all-knowing, all-doing, yeah. uh, but really as teachers and facilitators. Sure. And that, you know, people aren't thinking that they have to, the staff aren't checking their sure. brain at the parking lot and just the, being the doers, but they're yeah. really involved in the creative process and ongoing problem solving. Sure. So could, could you tell us a little bit more about the process for, for getting there? Was that a matter of doing um, a lot of training? 
with the managers in these areas having um, on you know uh, a lot of mentoring side by side with them to develop I guess to learn what some of those expectations were and develop some of those new habits. Well, I think the answer to your question is yes, all of those things. But let me start with uh, the vice president that started this in our um, health plan administrative division, Joel Susley. He he saw this and embraced it. So he fundamentally changed. So. One of the things that really happened in HPA was at the top level of leadership, Joel modeled the kind of change. In addition to that, though, we started with a process, uh, and Lee really brought uh, a lot of this technology and thinking to us in terms of, uh, it's it's, again, not far from the medical model of see one, do one, teach one, Mm -hmm. of having staff, uh, having a, a rigorous, thoughtful process through which we take management staff and engage them then with staff on an ongoing basis, step-by-step, in practicing the skills. And in that course of 12 modules, getting them to really rethink how they do this with incredible level of middle and upper-level management involvement, coaching, and tutoring, Mm -hmm. which might have been the biggest change that had to happen, was getting the middle-level managers in Joel thinking differently about how they're interacting with the supervisory level and the Mm frontline managers Mm -hmm to really bring that about. So this whole educational process really preceded anything. And that built the foundation then to start making more of the operational changes where they start to think about their value streams, start to put in work cells, all of those things. But it created a foundation where when that happened, it was a natural, yes, absolutely we get this and start running with it because some really fundamental changes that occurred in that training, modeling, doing experimentation uh, period of time where people were really making fundamental behavioral changes about and mental model changes about how they saw their work and their role in it. Mm-hmm. Lee, do you want to add a little bit to that? I guess the only thing that I, that I would say is um, in, in the, when, we, when we did a lot of rapid process improvement um, workshops, um, I think we really had the effect of, of changing the thinking of a lot of folks but it never reached high enough in the organization to fundamentally change the, the behavior of some of the, the key leaders that, that really, if their behavior changes, um, you, you can really do the transformational change. And, and so kind of building on what, what James um, has said is we were able to start at a high enough level in the organization, and, and Joel's um, embraced this and, and changed his behavior, and that's really flown downhill. Mm-hmm. And, and so we've put enough discipline in, in helping manage step-by-step the education and, and, and um, the actual implementation and the sustainability mm-hmm. um, of some of our core processes and the, and the thinking behind them that now we can really fundamentally go in and, and um, change some of the core processes and, and sustain them um, far better than we could without really changing that behavior and the thinking. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's, that's probably a, a, a good way to put it. Okay. So, and then in answer to your second question about you know, where we hope this goes, the, the model line really needs to become a, a change package for us that we can then uh, start to pick up and learn from what we've done and optimize it over, over time, mm-hmm. but to start to apply that in other areas. The, the nice thing about it is it, it really lends itself well to starting to force the organization to think more around uh, value streams as opposed to our kind of traditional ways of thinking about the organization reinforced by, you know, the usual budgeting processes and what have you because we've got such a great uh, success model on the ground. And one of the things that the model line has really helped 
uh, is giving people a place at group health, not going to Genie or going to Virginia Mason or any other organization, but really going to group health and seeing mm-hmm. what we've achieved gives them a sense of self-efficacy that they can do it as well. So at this point, it's now about a couple of things. One is taking that and really codifying that change package so that we can take that and start to apply it within that health plan value stream, working upstream into the product development and some of the tributary streams that support that, and then bringing it more into the care delivery stream. And that's really what excites me because I think we've got a we have a fundamental opportunity to really rethink how healthcare happens. Mm-hmm. We're still organized in a very traditional manner. We think about ourselves the way that the industry thinks about, you know, healthcare in general. And I think we have an opportunity to really fundamentally rethink that using what we've learned in HPA, but applying it and, and learning what we've applying what we've learned from the Quist models as well. Ted and Lee both talked about the quality improvement uh, teams that you know, brought the technologists to the care providing teams, getting that, that model out of the way of, well, if you're an IT person, you don't go to the care delivery system, that mm-hmm. really bringing the resources to it, that we can really fundamentally rethink that. And then, to me, one of the most critical pieces as we go forward is in, in the HPA model line, they did Hoshin uh, Kanri almost um, in the absence of any broader support from the organization. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the key challenges and the key involvement points for the executive team is in thinking about how do you use this as a, in your strategic development and involving staff and engaging staff more in the conversation about, you know, what are our targets? Where do we want to go as an organization? Mm-hmm. Where are we at? Let's talk about our gaps and talk about how we close them. That's a fundamentally different way of thinking about sure. it than a small group of people who go off on retreat and come up with the <laughs> right. grand plan, right. publish a nice piece of paper, and then where does it go? Right. So that's and, and in doing that, it not only forces my myself and my peers to act differently, forces us to act uh, and engage with the organization differently. Sure. But as you think about you know, the thought processes of strategic deployment in Hoshin Kanri, it's exactly what a staff member is doing when they're thinking going through the PDCA cycle on any given day. Yeah. And so now all of a sudden you've got this. Uh, equality that's occurring between, you know, the executive suite and the claims processor or a primary care physician or a medical assistant, and that we have a common language. We're talking about things the same way. And so a lot of the kind of implicit uh, class that happens within a, an organization, you know, mm-hmm. the, the hierarchy of, well, you know, you wear a suit to work and you act differently <laughs> than a person who puts on a, a lab coat. Yeah. Gets washed away. And that's ultimately, when we get to that stage, that's when we'll know we're starting to hit a level of, of maturity with our lean effort that I think we can all feel proud about. Sure. And I wanted to ask, uh, you know, since you're talking about employee involvement and, and maybe breaking down some of those barriers, what, what kind of feedback have you gotten people either through their, uh, their participation in the HPA model line area? You know, you mentioned that, you know, that old unfortunate notion of, you know, uh, checking your brain at the door, whether people were told that or you know they somehow surmised that that was the expectation. I mean, uh, are, are you getting positive feedback in terms of either formal employee satisfaction type measures or just in terms of feedback that you're getting from people like nurses or you know frontline staff in different departments? Well, I think there are a lot of really good examples, and I want to tell one, but I also want Ted to share the differences in satisfaction with Quist, non-Quist, and Lee to talk model line. My favorite example is from one of our earliest with lab, earliest examples. 
uh, in which, and I think a lot of people who have done quality improvement and lean have experienced this, but that uh, an employee who is absolutely negative about this doesn't believe it can work. At the end, because we were using these as uh, pilots and you know really doing the postmortems on them, mm-hmm. went back and did videotape interviews, and the same employee uh, who had been at Group Health you know 30 mm-hmm. years was so and was pardon the the you know the archetype here, but you know the old crusty set in the ways. This is how it works. I've seen it all, done it all. It don't yeah. work. On this videotape uh, that I played shamelessly everywhere. <laughs> said, this is the most amazing experience I've ever had in my work life at Group Health. This is the first time I've actually believed management cared what I thought. We have fundamentally changed the way the experience, our patients experience the lab. It was the most magical moment Mm -hmm. and really allowed us to start to really build some momentum on this stuff. And I invite both of these guys to talk about some other things that are more uh, objectified than that one. I mean, from my perspective, Mark, as just Ted, um, you know, I, I live to make sure that physicians and patients, you know, meet their professional personal goals. And there's nothing better than when you uh, go to a place and they have very low expectations, and then you ask them in front of their colleagues, "How was this for you?" And they mm-hmm. say, "It was really great. I got to, I got a lot of stuff done." And I had a similar story that I posted on our blog last week from a medical assistant who said, "You know, I've been in group health for 25 years, and I didn't realize till this week that I'm here to help everyone, not just myself." Mm-hmm. And so I think we, our staff are amazing. I think it's really what I've been reinforced is that nurses, physicians, all of our staff are incredible. And when I went to the model line yesterday, it's very pleasing for me as a physician to see a fellow uh, group health badge staff member talking about how much better they're doing for our members. And it makes me want to think, bring all 900 of our physicians down there to see that and say, these are your colleagues and yeah. they can teach you some things. I guess, Mark, this is Lee. The, the comment I would make is it's it's probably been hardest on the mid-management levels mm-hmm. because, in, in effect, a lot of times people have this perception that's really about changing the job of the front line more than anything, and, and it's it's really been in the model line especially the, the mid-managers that have really had to um, change their roles, roles the most drastically. Mm-hmm. But, but I would say, overall, it's been amazing, the, the response. Um, it was really prominent in, 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 in the, um, the best story I can think of is back in October, um, Joel, the VP that oversees the model line area, did, did a town hall forum where he brought all the staff together and basically did Q&A for an hour and a half. And people were really fearful. There was lots of questions about when are we going to get laid off, mm-hmm. um, you know, you know, kind of all the questions, you know, you, you would anticipate before a major change and, and a lot of the stigma that comes with lean. Yeah. Um, this last month we did another town hall forum, and, you know, Joel's up in front of the um, entire group, and, and frontline staff who, who would be typically pretty timid were, were pushing them out of the way to get the microphone to be able to share their story mm-hmm. about the process that they had just improved or the, um, you know, the opportunity that, that, that they had finally, you know, realized. So, I mean, there was not a single mention of layoffs or, um, you know, any of the fear that you'd, you'd really, um, that, that was really prominent back in October. So, so that's, that's the most exciting for, for me is to start to get that buzz going. Mm-hmm. Uh, and our challenge going forward is to be able to maintain that buzz because yeah. we really have the momentum. So I guess. Well, and this is Ted. It does get, I want to say also to follow up on Lee, it does get, it can get a little messy when we are, uh, you know, this is, I mean, it's amazing to be in this room two years later with these guys 
you know, I'd say three three generations of leaders, even though we're about the same age, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> <I'll switch. laughs> we're all young. Uh, but it's just amazing to be here as much as we've learned and discovered, and we've done a lot of explanations and talking to people and saying, well, what do you mean I can't just do this the way that I've always done this? And, um, you know, sometimes, Mark, as I've mentioned in the blog, we only have five seconds to explain it because people are really, really busy and they're doing a lot of stuff. Yeah. Um, we all wish we could sit down with everyone for an hour and describe where they've been and where they're going to go and have that Kaizen experience. Um, so we, we looked for those those opportunities at the very end and seeing to the very end that it's okay. And that's, the I think, the challenge of the change agent is yeah. you got to see through to the end. Well, good. Well, I'm certainly encouraged, and it's, uh, it's very exciting to hear about the progress that you've made there at, at Group Health. And, you know, I certainly appreciate you sharing your experiences, not, not only here today on the podcast, but as you had mentioned, Ted, um, the blog, um, the Daily Kaizen blog that you've been maintaining, I, I think it's very admirable that you've been very open about uh, the ups and downs and, and the, the challenges and the, the successes of what you've been doing there. Um, congratulations on, on one year with the blog. Thank you. Thanks. And uh, that, that's at dailykaizen.org, is that correct? That's right. Okay, well, certainly invite everybody to uh, to go take a look at that, and uh, I, I always enjoy the uh, you know the, the interactiveness of uh, the the blog and with everything that you're sharing there. So I hope you uh, will be able to keep that up. And we and as I said, I hope other organizations will keep it up too. And I, I think we're not trying to show the group health any better than anyone else. Um, although we're very proud of the care we provide. Sure. But I'd love to see a world where everyone that's doing this work is very open about their challenges so we can all realize we can all get better together. Absolutely. Well, again, Lee, Ted, and, and James, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out today and, and for being here with us on the podcast. Thank you thank very you much, much, Mark. Thanks for listening. This has been the Lean Blog Podcast. For lean news and commentary updated daily, visit www.leanblog.org. If you have any questions or comments about this podcast, email mark at leanpodcast at gmail.com.